Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club podcast? It's because the 420 was already taken and it's happy hours somewhere else. I'm your host, Whiskey, and I'm here with... Rocks. <laughs> All right, giggles. I always like it when you do the cold open for the episode. It's like... I'm sorry, David. I cannot help you with this problem. <laughs> it's because I got to go and remember the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you do a great job. I love it. It's good. <laughs> so, um, we, we I guess uh, today's in today's news. I guess we we uh, I was flicking through Facebook, and there's always clickbait, and and you're always trying to filter out what's what's relevant and what's not. <clears throat> I mean, I had the privilege of uh, visiting DRDC in, in Toronto, and uh, uh, NRC, is, they have a, a research facility um, just off the 401 there, uh, it's right beside Denison Armories, I forget the, what the building is called. Um, but anyways, what they study there is human, human factors testing, it's where they train the astronauts to go around the, the little centrifuge, you know, it's, it's 50 years old almost, I swear. Um, I'm having an image of uh, what's his name, Barney from The Simpsons, uh, <laughs> and Homer going around in that thing and that that episode of The Simpsons where they both went into space. Or no, Barney didn't get to go into space because because uh, he had one sip of alcohol and then Homer <laughs> got to go in by default. <laughs> wow. Anyways, so like, well, we would we'll be able to fit two of them. Only one person can fit in this thing. And you better better not be a very big person. Um, the uh, the main thing is that they, what they teach there is they just they spend so uh, a fair amount of time under trying to understand humans and the effect of designs on humans. Um, we talk about complicated words like cognitive overload, and you say, you "Well, give me a cognitive overload every time we do a podcast." Yes, but don't explode on me. Um, <laughs> But you do it all the time. You're like, how much information should be displayed on one screen before it gets too busy and I can't navigate what it needs to do? Right. Um, and I saw some pretty interesting uh, things that they have there. But it it led it leads me to really, uh, as we talk about inspiring people, we talk about innovation a lot, or I talk about innovation a lot. But it leads me to to. When we when we build things, remind you to think of your fellow man, um, my, and it comes down to things like today. My wife was sweeping. She goes, and she just or woman, you sis, I'm shit, Lord. Yes, my my <laughs> wife was sweeping today, and she leaves the broom in the middle of the hallway and then goes to bed. So you, you now have this pile of dirt and this 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 broom that's sitting there. And like, did you not think of the second stage of this? What happens? in the middle of the night and you have to get out of the house, you're just tripping over everything that you left behind. Um, but the, what is the next stage of the product that you made? So it may be just a dirt ball, but it could be a bridge. It could be a staircase to nowhere. Um, it could be, it could be that cabinet door and the oven. Um, you can't open the, the kitchen cabinet door cause the oven door is in the way. I mean, it could be all. It could manifest itself in all kinds of uh, weird ways. But anyways, they're always good for a laugh. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we. Could, 
but when we talk about um, oh, where I was going with this, so it's been interesting because I think this one, as we talked earlier, it ties into a lot of image stuff and we talk about what we're posting to get maybe just get some engagement from our, our fellow people. So if, if you're listing um, and you find a really weird, oddly designed thing or a sign that goes, did you think about what was, what was going to happen after, send us a picture and post it on our website. <laughs> We'd all like a chuckle, and you could you can use us to, to share it. Um, we make no money, so we're not stealing from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's probably best to do it over uh, Facebook on our Facebook page. You can find us at uh, the Three Hundred and Twenty Club. Um, just do a search; you'll find us. Anyway, but uh, there's some really interesting ones. Um, I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time in hotels traveling, and <laughs> You just like, how did you design this? My favorite one is when you uh, you open the door and it gets lodged on the bathroom door in a hotel. Um, that's my oh, favorite. Oh yeah! It's like, h- how am I supposed to get into my room? <laughs> or yeah, how did you manage to get this when you left? <laughs> um, Engineers, man. All right. You can tell like old hotels that are renovated. There's a few. There's a few. I think it's um, really interesting one. Um, it was Lay Suites in Ottawa. Is, is infamous. These little tiny corridors. How you navigate these up and downs, uh, up and down corridors. Like how do you get a, a cart, a clean cart through here, let alone a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my favorite, my other favorite ones are, are the sinks that you turn on the water and it sprays your pants. Well, they're not my favorite, but the favorite ones to watch. <laughs> but I got—I've never seen any of these. They're like—it's because you weren't mature enough in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, I see. <laughs> but no, but they still exist. Never. They still exist. Um, so when I was in Jamaica, uh, my wife and I got married in Jamaica, um, and uh, so we're getting ready. I got all the family together, and I paid for a lot of tickets, and. Uh, one the evening, uh, we're going to see this luminous lagoon type of thing. Is one of these few places in the world where the, the the plankton becomes iridescent, and they take on this boat cruise. Mm-hmm. And as the boat turns the water, everything turns has this uh, luminous glow. It's pretty fascinating. But anyways, before I get in the boat, responsible adult, I go to the bathroom. And all men, you know, there's the urinals, and then responsible guy, I flush. One problem: they use. Um, Zypex to uh, do the plumbing, and the thing sna- the the flusher snapped off in my hand. So of course, you know you're still standing there flushing, and the water is squirting me square in the chest. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Full force. So my best friend uh, at the time, uh, Riel, uh, he's since passed away, but um, he comes along, and. <laughs> And I, I was like, help, someone help me. I don't want to make a big mess in this, these, these kinds of people's washroom. <laughs> he laughed so hard. All he could do is take pictures. <laughs> but like human center design, like they, they didn't take the time to realize that there's a bit of stress on this pipe. And if you make it out of plastic, it's not going to survive very well. Mm, yeah. See, I can't say I've ever had any kind of, uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you call it? Episodes like that. <laughs> I call call it lucky, I guess. Well, you you do the same thing. Like, 
how many ba- how many times have you been in a place that isn't isn't adapted to people that are six feet tall? Uh, well, perhaps my house, maybe <laughs> my basement. <laughs> well, your basement's designed for seven feet, but as soon as you put the subfloor and the ceiling in, it's 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 pain height. I call it pain yeah. Height. It's not not exactly designed for that. <laughs> you could tell that they uh, they had to cut down one of the doors in the uh, in the basement to uh, to fit the the door frame, and it uh, it looks it looks oddly misshapen and a little bit a uh, little bit off kilter. Anyway, well, well, no, but this these are important. Like you know, when I went to Thailand, like in many places, I I could I had to walk in the door sideways. Like I'm not a fat guy, but uh, sideways. <laughs> wow! And I had to duck, duck, and walk sideways just to get into some marketplaces. It's like otherwise, I'm gonna hurt somebody. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm a quarter ton, so it's it's not like I'm a small person. Um, and you like you, you start seeing, okay, well, well, so what? The so what of this is that you, you start looking at the way we design things and build things and market to seniors. And uh, I went to um, Shoppers. I think they call it the Home Support sh- uh, Store. It's separate. It's a separate store from Shoppers Drum Up, but they sometimes they're joined, and they have very few of them. And I started looking through all the different special adaptations they have for seniors just to exist. Um, and you just think of the concept of the jar, okay? Enameled mm-hmm. finish, and s- they make it out of material that shrinks when it's cold. Like a jar of pickles. <laughs> yes. Do you think they would have changed the texture of the jar to make it easier to open? Well, don't we have a tried and true? <laughs> no. That, otherwise, it no. wouldn't sell 15 different gadgets to open up jars. You think of how many people have arthritis in their hands? That jars are really hard to open. Oh, my goodness. Well, think about it. Individualized pickle dispensers? But not you, you think of that. Well, what's the next step? Well... How about the buttons on your the, the non buttons on your cell phone? When you the, the de facto thing is for emergency calls is the cell phone. But if you're vision impaired, or you have trouble looking for things, um, Siri and Amazon and Google don't call um, don't call nine one one yet. So we still have to dial the numbers. Yeah, I saw a funny post uh, on uh, on the internet today. It was about uh, somebody trying to call. Uh, they're trying to call nine one one. Somebody broke into their house, and they said, uh, "Give me all your most precious uh, valuables." And the guy on the other end, uh, a guy, who, the victim here, said, "Ha, jokes on you, Alexa, call nine one one or no." Alexa, call the police. And then Alexa started speaking out by saying, uh, playing all 12 songs of uh, the police from, by understanding and all. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, that's the one I read, too. Yeah. Oh, is that what you said? Did you you send that to me or somebody else did? I think it's all maybe over Maybe you place. did. I think all the seniors are re- sending that one around. It's the police. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I mean, just Man. but, but we, let's just go down the the list of different things. It's like, um, would be a good one. Oh, or the and what about the num- number of needless inventions that are out there? Like the the uh, course light vented can, or is it the Molson Canadian vented can? Like, oh, who, who needs yeah. to drink beer that fast? So if we're, I mean, we're, we're putting energy in things that just 
there's, there's no point to them. Um, uh, I sent you a picture of uh, scented scissors for children. Yeah, I saw that. So there's two issues here. First of all, uh, there's an Ellen DeGeneres joke <laughs> behind this. She's like, um, when you're trying to get at a pack of scissors, they always make the plastic on it so difficult that you need something to cut the plastic in order to get to the pair of scissors. So you need a pair of scissors to open the pair of fucking scissors. The other thing is, like, my wife took one look at that. She's like, this is stupid. Like, imagine a kid trying to sniff <laughs> a pair of scissors. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, scented scissors? What the hell? But there are loads of it. Did you see the one that I posted with um, the slip and slide that only covers, it's only half covered in water. The rest of it goes into a, a concrete wall. And it's the highest no. slide. It's on my Facebook. What is this? I got to see this. Hang on. We got to. Oh, Jesus. That's terrible. Oh, God. That's awful. <laughs> It's a sort of water park in Poland. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it's too bad. Can't it's too bad we can't record this through video or something like that. We're working on it. Working on it. It's twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. It's twelve hundred dollars for the three sixty camera. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it well. We want our audience to drink it with us. Ah, we don't need to do that. We don't need a three sixty camera. We could just do it off of like a screen sharing or something like that. No, they could. They could have their own scotch. <laughs> we we could hire someone just to drink scotch. <laughs> I don't know if you thought this through. <laughs> Come on, who wouldn't want to be here just to drink scotch? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, there'd be a few people. Not many people like scotch, though. Oh, whiskey. Then we'll whiskey. Whatever. It's just gotta. It's, there's. It's just gotta be a cool. There's cup an to, a cup to go up to the camera. <laughs> there's an innovation for you. When people make uh, whiskey and they put all these flavor shots in them, I'm just like, that's blasphemy. When you see like Crown Royal putting like maple shots and it's like a, it, they try and turn it into a liqueur, or they make it like freaking cherry and grape flavors, it's like we're not making smoothies here. We're making well aged and distilled whiskey. Well, I mean it's Crown Royal, but <laughs> oh, you're a purist, are you? I don't mind Crown if there's nothing else. No, but the the, the main I'm thing not is picky. someone's creating something that's easy to drink. I mean, there's certain when you mix drinks to make something that's better, like the whole thing's about making a product that tastes good. Um, well, some 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 whiskeys are designed for that, like uh, like Red Label Johnny Walker Red Label is actually it's on its own is actually it doesn't taste very good at all. Um, but it's designed to be mixed with like Coke or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it comes down to the human. What's the human going to use it for? So, if the human wants to drink it on its own and they like vanilla, don't chastise them. That's just if there's <laughs> a market for it, it'll it'll work. But that's why I get of, it. A lot of these guys have uh, a lot of these companies have uh, limited edition, so it appeals to that market, like Clear Coke or Clear Pepsi. I'm allowed to be a little bit of a purist. <laughs> clear Coke. What is that? You never heard of Clear Coke? I think it was Clear Coke or Clear Pepsi. Is it just like carbonated sugar water? No, no, because all the because it's note by note. Have you ever heard of note by note cooking? Note by note cooking? No. 
So what it they used the fundamental chemical uh, flavoring to um, make things. Um, maybe I'll post a link on that later. Um, but what so what you could have like a chip that tastes like chocolate, but it won't be chocolate. It'll look like corn, and you could have oh so you you could have a bunch of things that look like something else but taste totally different. You know, it's sort of like the Harry Potter beans but, of anything. But okay, okay. Yeah, I think I've heard of stuff like that. I've, I've probably tried stuff like that, too. Um, Interesting. I'm just looking at some of these, uh, to kind of get back on our topic here, I'm just looking at some of these uh, photos on this website that you sent me. This uh, campus did a suicide awareness and prevention day, and they put a sign out front saying suicide, underlined, and then it said event, so suicide event at 4.30 p.m. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so here, Crystal Pepsi. We'll send you the link. Crystal Pepsi. Okay. And there's, pe- I think there's Pepsi Blue as well. Well, they did all kinds of stuff, like um, all kinds of different marketing ploys. Like, uh, you know, you still got things like Vanilla Coke. Remember that? Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's back on now. As soon as you go to Subway yeah, I know. or uh, who else has those machines? Um, Landmark Cinemas has them as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you, they have it like all these different. It's like Baskin Thirty One flavor Robins of uh, these Coke machines that they have in these movie theaters. It's all like touch screen, and and you get to pick whatever one you want. I don't know. Well, that's that's what a time to be alive. <laughs> um, those machines. I gotta find the article for it. Um, but those machines were. Invented by a guy. Oh, man. What did he do? Yeah, so those machines were actually designed by the same guy who invented the Segway. The Segway. You mean like the two-wheeled... The the transition between scenes in a dramatic play? No, the the Segway. No, that wasn't an invention. (laughs) That's a literary, uh, uh, literary device. That's a literal segue. <laughs> no, the two-wheeled mechanical device. I'll send you that link, too, on Skype. You're so, just making shit up now. No, here's the link. I saw a documentary on it, because I'm a geek. All right. The guy who invented the Segway. Invented those Coke S- machines. S-E-G-W-A-Y is working with Coca-Cola. Okay. I, have, I'm, I don't know what this is. What Segway are we talking about here? The Segway. The mall cop. Come on. Work with me here. The mall cop. You never saw the mall cop? The mall cop? Mall cop. Like like Paul Blart? Yes. What did he ride? Oh, that little thing. The Segway. Like it's a, a golf a golf cart. No, you rode a Segway. What the fuck is a Segway? What Paul Blart? <laughs> oh, man. I gotta look at this up. <laughs> You're killing me. You're just killing me. This is oh that thing. Yeah, oh, I didn't segue. know it was called that. <laughs> that little two wheel, two wheel thing. The precursor to the hover bike. <laughs> the Segway. The same guy okay. invented Segway is now inventing these Coke machines that work at Subway. I just remember Sanders. that thing from. Uh, I remember that thing from. Uh, fuck. What was that show called? Arrested Development. 
Job would go around on that thing all the time and like use it for dramatic effect to enter into a scene or exit out of it. Kind of like a segue. <laughs> You're not escaping this segue. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but that's that's what it does. Um, so so we talk about human centered design. If you think about it. <clears throat> We're on to something here in the sense that the Segway was designed for people who have trouble with mobility or had to cover long distances or were on their feet all the time. Some people say it's the epitome of laziness, but whatever. Then you go to the Coke machines, and the Coke machines is about minimizing the footprint within stores because having more flavors was always a problem for Coke. You need one bib for Coke, for Coke syrup, you need one for Diet Coke, and then you need a uh, if you wanted a root beer, it's another syrup. So they found ways of minimizing space. In comes the machine. Weird. But and then again, it's touch screens, and you know I can't use my elbow. I require fingers, but most people have those. At least a couple of those, um, or things that pretend to be fingers. Hmm. Weird. Come on, work with me here. Work with me. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to follow. Segway. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Come on, it's better than the Simpsons uh, escalator to nowhere. Come on. Escalator or the or the South Park ladder to heaven. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> escalator to nowhere. So. Oh I, man. You're, you're dying, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. This is our most awkward episode yet. I love it. No, it's this good. this is like the gender one where you try we try to try to go down this road where even I was reading the Economist article on the same topic. Most of us just don't care. I'm like, yeah, that's how I, that's how we are. <laughs> yeah, I think people. If it was if it was nothing, I think it would have been like you know, a, a five-second fad, and it would have, you know, burnt it out within, like, a month. But this thing, this whole debate, this whole thing has been going on for, what, like, since, let's say, 2014, 2016 at the latest? It's been going on for a while now, so, I mean, I don't I don't know if I agree with you that most people don't care. Hmm. I know you don't care. I know a lot of people that don't care. <laughs> I know a lot of people that don't care, too, and I... I want to not care, but I can't help myself. It's like watching a slow-moving train crash. <laughs> I can't help it. Anyway, okay, I digress. A second, my, I need a, a new battery for my headphones. You need a new battery for your headphones? Okay. These are terrible. I'm just looking at some of these images still. <coughs> A tree in an area is cut down to open space for outdoor signs, like outdoor advertising signs, to show a kid hugging a tree. <laughs> um, so anyways, we talk about design and um, like what do we do and what do we, like how does it affect people? Who's the end consumer? I mean, but this is echoed in literary construct marketing. So we talked about the concept of cognitive dissonance. Um, and 
what people expect to happen should happen in some shape or form or in a format they expect. Otherwise, it'll lose uh, credibility. And we see that. That's right. why we have that familiar, familiar uh, story plot or story shape. Um, we see that in Star Wars a lot and pretty well every Hollywood film. Um, so we, when, we, when you walk into things, the expectation is you open the door, the light switch is there. Well, guess what? It isn't always there. And when that doesn't agree, we have problems. Or if we read something left or right, and that's normal, and people all of a sudden position things right to left, well, it screws everybody up. Or we don't order the most important one as the first thing, and we, we, we change, change things along the way. So when we talk about human design, it, it transcends just the physical. It goes into how we communicate, how we socialize with people. Um, when you turn your blinker on, you expect that person's going to turn. But as we know, it doesn't always happen that way. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Like when somebody uh, somebody turns their, like turns in an intersection and turns on their blinker at the same time. It's like that thing isn't there to empower your turn, you idiot. It's there to signal to others that you're turning. <laughs> like it's not a guideline. <laughs> or the horn is... The horn isn't a big fuck you. The horn is it's a hazard warning device. So if yeah. I honk my horn at you, it's to let you know that you're not paying attention. So if you're the idiot crossing the street when it's not your turn to go and you're walking into traffic, isn't a signal for you to give me the finger. It's a signal to get your ass out of the way. I want to run you over. <laughs> yeah. We could do an entire episode about boneheads on, on, uh, on the road. But it, Boneheads behind the wheel. Let's call it that. <laughs> well, you got humble, humble Bronco, uh, humble, the humble, is the Broncos humbled? The Broncos, yeah, yeah. The hockey yeah, that, team. Uh, the an the anniversary just happened. So you didn't inspect your tarps properly. So now you kill people and and you say it was the tarps' fault. I, I I don't know, but at least he admitted fault. Anyway, so yeah, uh, humble Brock. Broncos, you were just, sorry, we had a bit of a pause there. Yeah, you were talking about uh, the the driver or whatever. Like, he's, there was a whole thing about that. He, like, he admitted fault and everything like that. And I think a lot of people took a little bit of solace in that. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's a horrible thing to have happened. But he yeah, accepted uh, complete uh, responsibility for the whole thing. But I think there's a bigger picture there, too, eh? What's that? Well, just like the idea of the company, um, I think there's a I think there's a bit of an issue with truck drivers, um, and and the businesses that they work for. Like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm pure. I'm speculating. Like, this is pure speculation. But it seems to me like companies are putting like unrealistic expectations on transport truck drivers, especially on highways. And uh, and they don't uh, they don't account for things like adverse weather or just seasons in general, and so accidents like this are like prone to happen because of drivers needing to make deadlines on on getting point A to point B to deliver a product. Oh, so, totally. I don't totally. know. It's pu it's pure speculation, but it seems to me like that's the case because it was just like a week ago we had a huge snowstorm in southern Ontario. And uh, I tried to get onto the highway, 
and I was almost sideswiped by two transports going like at least a hundred kilometers an hour and on like a not very safe highway, and everybody else is going like seventy or eighty. Like it's brutal. Totally. Um, so was where was I thinking? I, I heard this um, that in Alberta the tickets aren't necessarily tied to their insurance. Um, oh, I was double checking that one here. Mm-hmm. It might be a new thing because for for a period of time they were not. So you would have truck drivers driving as fast as they want. They they would just get the fine, but the money they made in getting it delivered on time was uh, was uh, minimal. So I'm just double checking, fact checking myself as we speak here. But um, well, it sounds like somebody just whoever was like a dispatcher or whatever, or whoever is responsible for logistics just did a Google search of how long it takes to get from point A to point B. And then just said, you have that much time to get there. No, not no, 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 no. into no. account. Trucking's not like that. Trucking's a lot more complicated. They have a lot of uh, logistic management systems um, mm. that do that. So you, they need to drop off that load because there's different logistical hubs to get it to. And they need to get to the... It's just like an airport. So you need to get your load at one particular spot. And they have long-haul truckers and short-haul truckers. And, and then from those, they have to get to the distribution systems in, on time. So the next leg could happen. Um, some things are industrial construction or commercial construction, and they have other pieces. Um, mm. And I was looking at here. So some, it says some, tic- some will, some won't. Um, um, but anyways, the guy who lived in Alberta, he says that the truckers were just crazy because a lot of the, the roads are just straight and flat, so they just go. Um, and like near Kingston, I've seen cars because we have all we have, we're on the Canadian Shield. I mean, we see so many cars are just flattened against the sides of these guardrails or the rock face. And I mean, human-centered design here. Well, if you have the tractor trailer full of load against a smart car, the result is not pretty. Um, no, the you don't of- have to be a physics major to figure out what's going to happen. Well, let me just if if the the picture looks like a Pepsi can after you stand on it. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't laugh because there's somebody in that Pepsi can. It's a dark, uncomfortable. Laugh. Yeah, but I mean, it go, is. But that's the reality. Going down some places along Lake Superior, there's some turns there where I've seen tractor trailers because um, some of the turns are so steep. They're going so fast and they can't slow down that they actually, by the time they hit the, the, the turn, they jumped the ditch. Swear Jesus. to God. They jumped the ditch. Wow. And uh, like, how did you get your tractor trailer in the trees? <laughs> and clear the ditch. It, it's just, it's a, it was a sight that w- was, if, if I actually had time to pull up my camera without dying, I would have, but I had to make the yeah. turn myself. So if they say 70, it's probably a good idea. You go somewhere near that. Yeah. <laughs> and some people say, well, our roads are overrated. Um, one UK guy said, you can go much faster. And it really comes down to, you could go faster, but should you go faster? And how much is reasonable? 
Well, a friend of mine was telling me that during the last snowstorm, they arrested some guy who was going 150 kilometers an hour between Ottawa and uh, Toronto in a snowstorm. How many wow. people do you want to kill along the way, buddy? Yeah. And you're white knuckling that too. Like, you're on complete edge that entire time. Like, you're, there's, like, you got to imagine the amount of stress that's going, like, that, that, the stress that that's having, the effect that that's having on your brain, you know, like just for you to do something like that and then to cause other people that level of stress as well. Like, oh man, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absurd for people to, you know, why, why should I be put at risk for your stupidity? You're, you know? to- you're totally right, Troy. So I got a, a dog whining here. I'll be right back. Yep. I decided to get a new beer, and this thing is cloudy as fuck. My sister got this for me. It's it's very potent. It's from the Great Lakes Beer Brewery. It's called Octopus Wants to Fight, and it's an it's an India Pale Ale. Our pet octopus is a bit of a jerk. He's that guy who has a couple, then either tells you how much he loves you or threatens to fight you. So we brewed this IPA with eight varieties of hops and eight types of malt. Ooh, they added, they added more hops to it. And he's so handsy. Yes. We targeted 88 IBUs and 8.8% to appease him. This thing, it looks like there's like dirt in it. <laughs> it should be good. Hey, a bottle's a form of dec- decantation, right? Into my mouth. Mm. Um, mm, that is tasty. Holy. So I was just thinking about design problems and human-centered design. I've got a design problem for you. The seam <laughs> yeah. on the Tim Hortons cup. Oh, there's no requirement. We started. There's no requirement to have a seam on a Tim Hortons cup. <laughs> okay. Okay. Did you catch the evil laugh? <laughs> this this yes i i caught your evil laugh this goes out to every uh drive through uh dispenser every counter person that i've met at tim hortons who has put the seam at the spout of the lid of the cup on their coffee but you're flogging you the you're you're flogging the wrong you donkey you're flogging the wrong donkey <laughs> No, they're the ones who put the lid on the cup. And you know what? I've even talked to some of them about that. It's like, I didn't even realize I did that, but I did it intentionally. <laughs> but you, but I, let me tell you something, though. Deep pockets theory. So it's not them, okay? It's the cup. The cup is designed wrong. What do you mean the cup is designed wrong? Well, it's inherently designed to have a gap between the lid and the... And the uh, seam is designed wrong. It's designed to have a gap between the lid and the seam. Yes, because it's folded I'm, paper. I'm not following here. What do you mean? Because it's a rolled paper product where there's a seam there. Yeah, does... you have to have that lip to prevent like drippage and all that shit, right? Yeah, but the problem is that you don't need to have that seam. It could be engineered to be shaved off. What? Yeah, not all cups. But have how s- how how would the lid how would the lid like snap onto it? 
Why don't the Tim Hortons Cup have have seams like that that bother people? They do have seams. Yeah, but not. Uh, not we're getting lost here. None that bother people, because the lid is designed not to have. Make oh, it a trust problem. me. If it didn't bother you before, if you're listening to this now, it'll bother you now when you find out that people are intentionally sabotaging your Tim Hortons coffee cup. <laughs> they're not sabotaging your coffee cup. They're sabotaging that white shirt you wore that morning. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a here's a design flaw for you. <laughs> now that we're like deep into this episode, <laughs> doing an ep- uh, episode on a podcast that involves showing pictures without having pictures. <laughs> hey, it's called a talkie, not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think you understand where that concept comes from. <laughs> a talkie. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it came from, uh, originally it came from, uh, sorry, the Leafs almost just scored. Um, it came from, uh, yeah, it came from movies that didn't have, uh, they didn't have sound or anything like that. So, or, well, they had sound, they had music, but they had no voice or microphones or anything like that. So it was just, that's it. So that's where the talkie came out was when they were able to develop the idea of having microphones and you could record voices for a movie, for a picture. Yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Here's that art story so, coming into play so, again. So you knew that, and I knew that, and most other people knew about talkies. But uh, here's an interesting thing um, about Star Wars, is that uh, George Lucas, his original intention for the Star Wars movies was to make them, he, he wanted to call them silent films. He wanted them to be... Uh, reminiscent, like he structured them in a way that they were reminiscent of silent films uh, back in the day, because silent films, all they had was um, music overlaid uh, over top of the the video. They didn't have, you know, like like we discussed, they didn't have the audio component of the microphones or anything like that, so they just had music overlaid, so you always heard this like, this like tangy piano sound, like the Scott Joplin soundtrack going on over top of the of the picture. Um, so what, um, when, uh, George Lucas was talking with John Williams, the guy who composed all the music for, for star Wars, he, that was what he envisioned. And that's what, that's why the star Wars music is so iconic. Like if you were to remove all of the audio, all of the talking points from star Wars, you would still be able to follow the entire, entire story along just by listening to John Williams music. And that was George Lucas's original intent. It's pretty cool. So you may not have known that part. That's when that's when design goes well. <laughs> and then you sell it to Disney, right? And then you sell it to Disney when you, you know, want to have retirement money and not have to worry about all the fanboys <laughs> coming at your door. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it was a kid kid on the other end, on the other end of your monologue. Um, Oh, I see. So, no, that's fair. Um, so yeah, you're you're right. So, so that's where design goes well, where form meets function, and and the cinemagraphic showed it, and it was always mm-hmm. something played in the background, and really, there's like a, an association between the film and the music, and the music got a resurgent as it was reapplied to this film, the films. 
Um, especially around Darth Vader and the Flight of the Valkyries, right? Um, so, well, yeah, a lot of the music, there's a whole, I mean, I've listened to entire podcast episodes about just the music of Star Wars. Like, it's it's actually pretty fascinating. You, I could do an entire episode about, like, movie music and uh and it's it's some it's some fast like in the last 10 years i would argue a lot of movie music has gone down as a result of like digitization and all that kind of stuff um the music is no longer a part of the storytelling the way it once was um but i'm starting to see uh like especially with that i mean i'm going on a bit, quite a bit of a tangent here but uh i'm starting to see like you know uh, Forgive the pun, but a new hope <laughs> in the in in how uh, movie music is made. There's a there's a return to form that's happening that we used to see back in the in the seventies and and uh, well maybe not the eighties. That's a decade we can live without. Okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna rebel against you. Okay, and don't say it's digitization. It's freaking laziness that's ruining music and movies. Because uh, well, we, no, that part digitization has something to do with it too, right? No, it doesn't. Because it's cheaper. There's a there's no. a there's a cost effect that happens there. Like I got I'll show you a video. No, no, so don't no, no, video about stop, it. Stop, 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 stop. So what I'm saying to you is digitization. Yes, they can make movies cheaper because they may have a desire to make it cheaper. It's a business process behind it that's making it pressurize, pressure putting applying the pressure to make it cheaper, but it's. It's digitization allows us to do more things, and we can, using Nyquist sampling theorem, reproduce stuff. So, my minor in college or sorry, university was communications and reproducing sounds, and we can do that very well. But some sounds can't be reproduced well in, in a way that is of the same quality that you would find of an acoustic um of a, an acoustic instrument right of something that that you know okay so let me give an example or be a little bit more specific the video that i'm that i'll talk about in question is uh it talks about uh, the marvel cinematic universe but basically what it comes down to is when you turn when you have music being produced by a uh, computer as opposed to by an actual instrument a computer can recreate certain sounds with a fair amount of accuracy and and make it sound like an actual instrument is playing it for example drums highly percussive um short sounds um the short intense sounds as opposed to something like a flute or a uh or a trumpet or a trombone or any like any of the horn instruments or anything like that um where a lot of the times they're dependent upon playing long uh held notes that kind of stuff and it's very it, it has been very difficult to recreate those sounds in a uh in a uh, in a digital environment okay so let's 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 just go back so you say digital environment let's i want you to scrap that term for this piece okay you can't use it use the term simulated environment sure okay sure the reason why i want you to to, to scrap it so if i take if i record a a a person playing the trombone or a any type of instrument i can reproduce that sound digitally that's why we buy our music okay you sure can but are you going to reproduce a a 
a phrase of music with the same emotion. I can reproduce that recording, but I can't go around and program into a computer to make it play the same way because of the resonant frequencies of those instruments. It's it's getting better, but it's not perfect. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like when know, it starts getting to because a point, because when because when you say digitization, musicians. No, no, let me, let me, let me digitization? So when you say digitization of music, it means it can mean a couple different things. And I just wanted to be clear because we we have the audio files out there that go and buy the records. And we say, well, the human ear <clears throat> can hear this much, but the recordings only have this much. Yes and no. So the limit to the human ear is 44100, and that's actually the frequency we record our podcast at. Um, but the key point to that is we, we live to the limit of the human e- te- technical limit of the human ear. But within that, um, <clears throat> when you use Nyquist sampling system, we basically need the, the, the standard, the stop point, the high points, and the low points, and we can technically reproduce the sound at that frequency. But we're actually oversampling compared to how we're talking. Um, with that being said, is that a digital a digital piece that's programmed into a computer will play everything perfectly, but it doesn't have that emotion that's tied to the the, the harmonics that are associated with that Im, uh, instrument. Yes, the instrument doesn't yeah. play just a C <clears throat> sharp; um, it <clears throat> plays something slightly different. It, the 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 first hit is 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 on cue because they tuned it that way, but it's that the warmth that technically comes from the string instrument that, that makes the difference. Or no, the, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I get where, you know, the terminology can be misplaced here, where I should be talking about simulation as opposed to digitization. I get it. So, yeah, I'm, all, I'm on board, man. The rest of it, I, 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 I support 100%. So if you want, but the, the sad thing is, is that I pay, um, whatever I pay at the movies after popcorn, $50 to go see a movie. It doesn't matter which movie I, I'm going to see. It's the same one. I paid $2 extra for the, the cheap 3d glasses that are one pretty well one time use. But, um, that being said, there's no difference in the quality. Ah, uh, I, uh, I could argue against that. No. But look, I paid <laughs> the same price. So the movie is very different. But I pay the same price. It doesn't change. <clears throat> no, it does change. It just increases over time. <laughs> no, but but what's the incentive for movies, uh, movie producers, to make an extra good movies? Yeah, they they they, they use volume versus uh, volume to try and make the money versus uh, um, fair costs. But what if we change that model a little bit? Maybe we change the price of the movie. Are you going to die on me or what? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, there's a cold Maybe you need to blow your nose. <laughs> no, there's a cold going around the house, too. Yeah, we uh, got something going on here, too. So, um, let's get that part out. Um, <laughs> I think I might keep it in. <laughs> you fucker. Um, uh, what's, what's the point is, is that maybe, maybe we... we revisit the price maybe the seller should change the price of the movie depending on how much money they invested into it this okay so like 
Marvel could be a little bit more, cost like a dollar or more because it's a Marvel movie, or two dollars more, and then we'll start really seeing things. Yeah, but now they're now they're in competition with it. But it's not. Is it them who dictates the price, or is it the movie theater companies who are dictating the price? Movie theater, right? Because like their prices. Yeah, because so so they want a fair cost for for everything. It's like why would I spend an extra dollar for watching this Marvel movie when I can save money and go watch you know the DC movie, even though the DC movie is shittier. <laughs> you know. Because that's basically what's being made now. It's just Marvel versus DC, and Marvel is clearly winning. But we talk about the digitization of of music just in general. I mean, um, it's funny. You see all these streaming services, and say what you will about them. I mean, I don't know exactly the politics behind it. I understand there might be a bit of an issue between... Um, creators of content and those who uh, those who publish it, like Spotify, for example, I've heard a bunch of different stories. Like they don't exactly pay very well; they take a lot of the money. I, I could be wrong in that. I don't know, but um, it's funny with all of this digitization that's happening with music in general. You're still seeing you're still seeing an increase in sales of things like vinyl which i find fascinating yeah but vinyl comes and goes i mean you don't see the vinyl stores making a lot of money (laughs) they don't no not necessarily but you know what i think there's a difference like there's definitely a difference between listening to um and i'll promote vinyl any day of the week like when you what, listen to, what about my to, gramophone? You gonna promote my gramophone too? It's right next, right next to me. It's holding up a lot of papers right now. I, I, I'm sure it is, and it's and it's right alongside your hammer and chisel that you brought back from when you were visiting Jesus. Um, but <laughs> Moses, Moses but, says uh, hello, you dumbass. <laughs> what's that? Moses says hello. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but i mean here's the thing like you get a company like spotify or even itunes or any of them and then they they transform the song and like or they they turn it into a digital file or whatever and what you're listening to is not necessarily what the um the producers of that music actually intended for right so it's like it's i'd almost i would prefer vinyl every time because you're getting the raw equalization like what they intended of of that uh, that produced song like no take not. a classic no, example no, is not. like uh, no. dark side of the moon you listen to that album uh on vinyl it's a totally different experience than when you listen to it on a you know a wave file or an mp3 no you're not you know what it, it, it all depends how that mp3 got to you it could be down sampled a couple of times way that file was released like from an electrical engineering perspective yeah, if they release it that way, it could be recorded that way. If the vinyl is no different, you might have just hyped it up a little bit, but I totally remember like vividly arguing this point with several doctors that have a doctor's degree in communication theory and about reproducing sounds. And he says, There's no difference. It's how you feel about the situation. 
It's all about I don't how you buy feel. that. I don't buy that for a second. Well, I can show you no. the math. Do you want to go into my math textbook? No, I don't. Well, I, then I don't. I, sit down. I don't math. Sit down. <laughs> sit down. Math is my kryptonite. I'm allergic to math. Sit down, my <laughs> friend. Sit down. <laughs> I am sitting. <laughs> you this is not feel happening. that vinyl has no. more warmth. How dare you? How dare you take away from the producers of those music, the, that that music, the, those people who are working their ass off to try and bring you the top quality sound, and you just limit it by saying digital is better. No, How I did not say you, that. Sir? I did not say that. <laughs> but realize once it's recorded see how i did that <laughs> yeah no 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 so i may may have had a couple but it ain't i'm not that not that drunk but anyways but once it comes off their little piece they actually send it to producer digitally to be recorded on a vinyl situation so it's, it's never you can't buy the well it wouldn't say you can't but it's very difficult to buy anything that's purely analog anymore so he hits a tra- uh, transistor, it's now digital. Like a lot of those instruments, they're now, rec- uh, the outputs for them are digital outputs. So how much is actually analog? Yeah, I get it. So That's why it's better to go to an actual concert hall, like go to a Roy Thompson Hall or something and get tickets to the Toronto Symphony Orchestra or even just a local you know, community orchestra or something like that, go and see something like that and get a true analog experience. Like well, th- that's, and, and, but there's, there's more to it than that. It's like you're in an environment shared, like a shared environment with other people listening to something that is, you know, there's something more to it than just the audio component. Like it's, there's an emotion that's added to it that you don't really quite get anywhere else. In the 90s, I used to volunteer for St. John's Ambulance, and I used to tour all the different, you know, concerts that were in Winnipeg, and you're, you're totally right. Um, the reason why I bring that up as St. John's Ambulance is because this way you know that I wasn't loaded by the time I got there. Um, but the, <laughs> the, the point being is, is that there's, a, there, there's something to be conveyed with being part of the masses. I mean... Um, Ashley McIsaac, is, for all the problems that he had, um, just who is a, that? Ashley McIsaac, just a yeah. powerful folk performer, um, and you just leave go, leave the whole the stage going, whoa, or just the 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 presence between like Melissa Etheridge, like you you just see her perform, and the way the crowd resonated that sound with her. It, it was it, it's something else to watch, mm-hmm. but it, I find the same type of type of emotion when I was watching um, uh, Wayne Gretzky play one of his last game, this last game in Winnipeg when he announced his retirement. And he was going through all his different the the last few games that he played. He was going through different places, and you saw that. Um, That's cool, and and, and you, you you see it, but. It, but I think the emotions we're talking about is, is, is how we affiliate with the situation as it's unfolding. It may not be just the music. And because we can identify that like, the human brain is a complex machine, and because we can identify and affiliate with certain things and maybe infer things that are not there, that makes it more either more organic or not. 
but I, I would say that the emotions you feel when you listen to an analog or digital, I would say the emotions are, are real regardless. Yeah. Um, but you, you feel... It, it definitely brings out emotions in you, you know when what? you listen to it, you know. You know what? When I was six years old and um, I read a textbook that showed me that I could use a, um, a safety pin and a piece of paper to reproduce sound using a record, I was awestruck. And I went through and I researched, like, how does this actually transfer through the record into my safety pin onto a piece of paper so I could hear it? The, 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 yes, so that, in, in, that organic nature associated with a record and that, that needle that goes back at 4,400 kilohertz, <clears throat> yes, it's there. But you realize that you say with with that organics, you need to give up problems with dust, and we know that dust is everywhere. So your cat hair, your cat dust, your cat dander, the roach crap that's in your house. I mean, it's embedded in your records, and there's no way yeah, to get it. Yeah, I know, I know, I get it. So, so, so it isn't the record that does this that gives that warmthness. It's the sound itself and how you feel about it. I mean, Drake, for me, Drake is a pr pretty good artist, but you realize that a lot of his stuff is very digital. It's, to me, it's flat. But Well, I wouldn't listen to it on vinyl anyway. <laughs> but you, but you, you see it's flat. It doesn't matter what medium it is, it's flat. Well, but you got to think about it. Like it's, it's generated off of a computer anyway. It's not like they're getting an actual drum set. And like the only thing that's analog that's coming out of it is his voice, right? Everything else is produced off of a computer. But I would argue that not, not even that anymore. Cher brought it up, too, when she did her All You Need Is Love, I think they called the song. But the auto-tuner, I mean, even oh, that's yeah. not even there anymore. That goes through a whole bunch of pre-processors. So, that's kind of annoying, to be honest. Like, I was, I noticed that. I'll bring up Moana again because my son loves that movie so goddamn much. But uh, there's there's a couple of songs that are sung like very beautifully, very nicely in there by the lead actress in that in that movie. But then, like you know, in all Disney movies, they always have a recreation of that song done up by somebody else. Um, they used auto tuner for one of the more famous songs. I can't remember it for the life of me because you know, but it's a Disney movie, and I try not to remember these things. <laughs> But uh, what, but they used an auto tuner <laughs> for it, right? So I was just like, that's kind of like, and it's clear, like it's clearly just like, what you can't let your natural talent ride on this thing, or what? Well, that's that, that's what that tells me. So, so if you listen to the theme of Walker, Walker the Texas Ranger, Chuck Norris even sings his own theme song, thankfully to a, an auto tuner. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to Quirks and Quirks, CBC does a good show on, on I think it was Quirks and Quirks, but they do a theme on the auto-tuner, and the guy who invented it regretted it. I think he was laid off for a while and, and built this thing. But right. um, anyways, he regretted it like two months after he had built it. Why? Because you've had people with no talent now singing. Yeah, okay, that's a good point, yeah. I don't know. It's silly. I it's like that that to me the auto tuner is like it's on the same level as people who re-record um a song 
I'll take I'll take an example. Like my my father used to complain about this all the time, but it's like people who uh, take a previously recorded song, re-record it, and don't change anything about the song. They just make basically the exact same song. Like I'll try. Uh, what's a what's a good example? All Christmas um, all Christmas carols known to mankind. Well, that's that's one. That's one. That's like an easy example. But let's say. Um, Oh, what's that? Uh, is it? Oh, Baby is cold uh, outside. Live and live and let die. Live and let die by the Beatles. Was it live and let die? And then it was redone by Guns and Roses. Like it's horrible. It sounds terrible. And they basically tried to say they tried to do it um, and re-record the whole thing. And it sounds and it sounds like shit to me. But here's the thing. It's like, and this was a complaint that my father had is when a when a a band or a singer does that it's like they're trying to say i can do it better than the original well fuck you man that's kind like, of that's kind of narrow i think i think oh, well, it's an opinion that's all it is that's an opinion i'm allowed to have one <laughs> no you're not <laughs> yes i am um but uh here but what i do like though and i'll take another beatles example um is uh is when you have a singer that takes the same song recreates it and just completely repurposes it and it sounds nothing like the original and a, a good another good example uh, an example of that is another beatles song um a little help from my friends you listen to the joe cocker version of it it's like from i i don't know if it's from the wonder years uh the the song from the wonder years or whatever but those are two completely different songs but they're the same exact lyrics it's the same song but two completely different renditions like joe cocker was actually pretty famous for that kind of stuff and he was uh he was a master at that kind of thing yeah but anyway. the thing is is that you don't know unless you try you don't know what the market's going to take unless in, until you do it i mean there's there's ways to test the market but there's the market will dictate so you know what we're you know bunch of caucasians sitting up here but those the other songs might resonate with somebody else we don't know what demographic they were targeting for that um but the i say they have poor taste and i'm allowed to say that <laughs> go ahead but the problem is you, if you don't if you don't you you can't have success without failure this is true so if you if you you have to try so i mean whitney houston uh did several songs over again but she was a master of her element celine dion is doing songs that aren't her own and hitting them out of the park. You don't know until you get there. You might just stumble upon something. But music is a very interesting beast, I would say, because music is just as personal for the musician as it is for the audience. So when you're talking about um, how the audience took it versus how the band played it, then there's a, there's a diverging of taste sometimes. So the, the, you call a purist... Well, Chris, a, 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 just look no, at no. country music, for, as an example. Well, no, a, a band that is a purist band, they do it because they love it, because they enjoy it. And they're not taking outside crap from anybody, right? And that's like the Beatles. So, but then you say, well, I didn't like what they did. Well, what what's that mean? The band played the way they always played. They played because they like it, but you don't like it. So they, they crap, they shouldn't do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You can't have it both ways, my friend. Well, I mean, it's it's not for the consumer to decide. I mean, the only way that the only 
way that the consumer can decide on that is by voting with their wallet whether or not they want to buy that thing. But that's where the discussion ends. It's up to the whoever creates the content. They decide what they want to do with it. And like and if they just if they just do whatever the hell they want, I, I would argue, depending it's all dependent upon their talent, obviously. But it seems to me like in more cases than not, those um those content creators who have who haven't given a damn to the outside opinions of others and just wanted to do their craft and and just continue making music or continue doing whatever it is they did they were incredibly successful look at the beatles for example but then you look at somebody like kings of leon right when they were uh, just, you know, another garage band, they sounded pretty good. They were a little bit different. They were a little bit out there. But you could tell they became, they, they basically turned into another Coldplay band because producers said, this is what you need to do in order to be successful. And the producers were right. They ended up making um, content. They ended up making albums that, like, hit top charts number one um, in the world. Um, because they they ended up bowing to the producers, but you don't hear too much from them anymore. They're not really making anything new anymore, it seems. Well, I guess there's, I I think there's more. I think there's more to it when it comes to band. So when we go back to original premises, like human centered design, what <laughs> do, what does it do? But really, when you when you're a band and you have a sound that sort of seems to resonate with people, and you're you're pairing that to the market segments, and you're going, okay, listen. Of the last different tracks that you you put on, we have X amount of people that like this one, and you know a minority of the group likes this one. A minority, I mean, a small number of, not a race or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then you say, okay, well. Let's take that and we're gonna like let's focus on the stuff that sells and not the other stuff. The problem is that there's there's inherent when you do market research, there's an inherent error in how you do it. So you, your sample size really determines how you do it. But typically what happens is these media groups, they don't sell it, they don't send it to everyone. So I, I, I listen to radio. But I never participate in online surveys. I just don't, because I don't think it's worth my time. However, the people that are on their mailing list that answer surveys are a subset of a subset of a subset of a society. So they're gonna they're gonna vote what they like and dislike. The problem when you do it, there's an inherent error that occurs. So they might emphasize one thing, um, but really the pan demographic of that radio station might. Choose something else, hmm. and that and and that you need to understand that when we talk about why we do these weird things, is because really, I subscribe subscribe to the Economist, and you know what? Most people don't, but when Economist sends me a sends me a survey and I fill it out because Economist is number one, there's a you're a shell, no. <laughs> Well, there's an inherent <laughs> there's an inherent flaw in that demographic who's doing it, and they, they need to account for it. And the second piece is who is the target <clears> demographic, <throat> who is willing to buy that that video, or at least go to their concert. And you know what? I got a young kid, so it's not going to be me. 
right? So, mm. but you, my my boss, who is fifty something, he's got the money to go to concerts, and he'll just go to like Kid Rock, even though he's Kid Rock and almost sixty. But you <laughs> <laughs> start. You start start looking at these things, and you say, "Okay, you well, better be careful. He might be listening to us." <laughs> uh, if it is, not, not Kid Rock. <laughs> I'll, I'll fly there and buy him a Coke. Um, okay. <laughs> I, either people for that case, but yeah. when we when we, we start putting these man, things, man, a Kid Rock listen to us, man, we're moving up in the world. <laughs> uh, that's what I was saying. I'll fly there and buy him a Coke. Um, <laughs> Like balance these out a little bit, and it's really important to understand the difference between uh, how they come up with these things. Because whenever they sell something and they put production value, they bet the farm a lot of times. For example, yeah. would be like Boeing. Whenever they come up with a new design of the airplane, it takes so much to redesign an airplane that they actually bet mm. the future of the company. Wow, that's that seems way too risky. Well, that's how that's because it. Just think how many systems there are on an airplane. Mm-hmm. A lot, right down to the half centimeter space that they didn't give me to whack my knee on. Or the uh, yeah, the uh, what is it? The food cart that goes by and hits your elbow every time. Oh if yeah. you sit in the aisle. And I pray to God that someone's small next to me, so they don't have to suffer through the the gigantor person that I am. Um, and well, you're not that bad. Yeah, but. <laughs> If you have it's someone, just when your sinuses get clogged. <laughs> it's on the airplane every time. No, but when you're because I I don't I'm bigger than the average person. And when you design for a lot of things, you design for like the seventy five percent, eighty five percent solution. Everybody else, yeah. oh well, because you don't want to waste money. That's a right? good point. I mean, if we're really going to try and stay on topic here, but the idea that when you design something, you design it for the majority of people. And you could see by some of the flaws that we've seen, I mean, we're not exactly putting out a picture show for our listeners, but the uh, some of the design flaws that you see in some of these things, man, it's pretty telling just how little they gave towards that, you know, that 70 to 80 percent. Yeah, and totally. And it's, it's so small. We, we've talked from music uh, you know, majority of music to minority in music to like the simple things. And we talk about freedom of access and equal opportunity, equal outcomes. And that goes into this whole other domain of things. Um, but like, like just using the bathroom when you're my size becomes a problem at one point where you're sitting on the, sitting on the John and you can't, you're hitting all of my trigger words. You gotta be careful, dude. <laughs> you're sitting on the john and you can't reach the toilet paper because it's just in that awkward spot because it's behind you but beside you and you're just trying to reach underneath because your elbow does, doesn't turn that way um, there's issues um, and I think as a society we can do better in many respects and you say at the very least in these worlds is that if we build a bridge build a goddamn sidewalk right next to it Wow, I'm so inspired now. (laughs) That was good. I think that's a good place to end it. I think we've been going on long enough. (laughs) But no, but like we're here, and 
we all have vested interest in design. So if you're a designer and you're listing, do it. Understand what task you have and the different stakeholders involved. And don't be afraid to re- say you made a mistake and redo your design. Because that's what we have version numbers for. I do it all the time, folks. <laughs> I mean, make mistakes. Well, don't no, fix your mistakes. You want to fix my mistake. <laughs> Usually what happens when I design something, I design it, I build it, and then I go, ah, oh, fuck. And then I have to restart from scratch. <laughs> Usually after input from your wife, right? Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's be honest here. Let's, let's be real. Let's, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think we should cut it off there. Um, I'm whiskey. That, that's as good. I don't, I, I, oh. I, I've been trying to think of a title for this episode. I think I can't, I can't think of any better title than, wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> We got we went into some deep ditches and deep dives there. <laughs> we came out on top. That was good. It was just like uh, we did. We did closing time. You brought by, it full by circle. I don't know how we did it, but you brought it around. It was good. Yeah, closing town by semi uh, semi sonic. <laughs> yeah, closing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. All righty. I'm whiskey, and I'm rocks. See you next week. Hey everybody, rocks here. I just want to take another moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks. We're currently on iTunes. We're now officially on the Google Play Store. Uh, We're on Stitcher and YouTube, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell all your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.